we're doing another review incentive. So at the end of May 2024, we're going to pick one person who wrote a review between now and then to get a free one-on-one session with me. Instructions are in the description of this episode. And I just want to express how much I appreciate you. At this point, if you're a regular listener, you've got a whole bunch of access to the truth of who I am and to my soul. And that makes me feel really, really good. That is exactly the type of relationship that I want for us to be cultivating together. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your review. I hope it's you that I get to do a one-on-one with. I appreciate you so much. Hello, and welcome to the Flynn Skidmore podcast. My goal is to help you become exactly who you want to be. We are here to help you take your biggest, boldest, most beautiful vision for life and turn that vision into reality. Welcome back to the Flynn Skidmore podcast. Today's desk is Ride Kawaja, the co-founder of Open, a meditation studio in LA. Ride is one of those people who's not only proficient, but has depth in so many different areas. And this conversation is this beautiful blend between spirituality, business, culture, And my favorite thing is that we're laughing as we're speaking about it all. I cannot wait for you all to listen. This is a fantastic conversation. All right. So tell me about what it's been like to be more in your noggin, more in your head than in your (laughs) body recently. Yeah. Uh, What has it been like? Well, I think there's kind of this notion that when you adopt these practices or when you really believe in things like meditation and breath work or movement, whatever your access point is, um, and you start throwing around terms like wellness and well-being and um, health and healthy and, uh, you know, operating a company in that space, I think there's a real misconception around what the practical reality is of what it takes to actually build something from scratch (laughs) Um, and to work hard at something, to achieve something. I would offer that, you know, you do need to work hard. You do need to engage with stress. And uh, in doing so, you invariably get out of balance at times. And so um, the practice is not to kind of sustain equilibrium at constant or minutes upon minutes, hours upon hours, days upon days, weeks upon weeks, months upon months. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it's way more approachable than that. You know, you, you, you work at things, you get in your noggin for a bit, a couple days straight, you realize it, you notice it and you come back and you engage with the very tools or the things that, you know, get you into balance and you try to sustain that as long as you can. But at some point you're going to have to <laughs> you're going to you're going to get out of balance again. I think that that's what it's been like a little bit. It's been a topsy-turvy ride of you know since starting to work on open which was in 2018 um lived in a different city at the time, got out of a long relationship, moved into a new city, was working on a company that was going to have both a digital ecosystem as well as an in-person one. We wanted to build these physical studios. We started to endeavor on that part of it specifically in the beginning of 2020. And so the pandemic says, no, not yet on that Mm -hmm. one. Just focus on the app, you know, and just like what's going on in the macro capital environments. You know, we've endured quite a bit to get here. So you just kind of have to embrace the imbalance at times. Do you know who uh, Naval Ravikant is? Yes. He, he so he. Uh, Maxim Extraordinaire. Yeah. Dude. So, does he just speak in quotes? He's okay. a, yeah, he really does, dude. Everything he drops is a perfect quote. <laughs> he, one of the things that he, that I've heard him say in his perfect speaking of quotes is that. Something like something like obsession is more valuable than talent. And I'm listening to you speak about hard work and and I 
a million percent agree with you. And I've been speaking with my clients about this. I created some content about this recently where it's like, all right, if if let's say someone were asking me, Flynn, like what's everything you want in life? What are the most beautiful things you want to create? What's all the success you want to have? What kind of like relationships do you want to have? All that. And I had two options and I had to pick one. One option was like trust, surrender. And the other <laughs> option was work my fucking ass off. Mm -hmm. I'm picking the work one. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have to pick one, but it right. it does seem to be true that in order to build something extraordinary, it requires an immense amount of work. And I've been paying attention to that in myself recently. And I, I noticed myself doing something called that we can call working really hard, but it's almost like there's there's not a choice. It's more like an obsession a fun obsession, like sometimes a psychotic obsession, but it's more of an obsession than it is like, fuck, I have to wake up and I have to work hard today. I'm curious what your experience with working hard is like, and if you notice obsessive tendencies in yourself. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I guess, you know, the you need to work hard. We're both saying that. And we, you also mentioned that there's an aspect of surrender as well and trusting and knowing and, and that we, you know, that paradox is one to be embraced and it's your relationship with the hard work that matters. Right. And so something can be very hard. Something can be extremely strenuous. Um, but are you smiling while doing it? <laughs> uh, that really is kind of, in most ways, not always, but, um, that can over time become a choice, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think there are some obsessive tendencies that come with that. And, but that, that's where meditation and practices that balance your nervous system or bring awareness to your kind of psychological patterns and put you, these things that put you in a state of observation and it build your muscle and your athleticism on realizing when you've fallen into those tendencies mm -hmm. and when you catch yourself, then the second muscle that you want to have athleticism about is the action to correct and, you know, get into the stride that you want to get into. But just to speak personally, and this isn't my prescription, uh, but I try to ride the waves. I've realized over time that sometimes everything aligns. You, you get the perfect sleep and you had the perfect workout two days ago and the perfect stretch the night before and you drank just the right amount of water and you know you just wake up and you're feeling like you can do absolutely anything. And I like to lean into that. I like mm -hmm. to lean into it and say, okay, Tonight, I might work a little bit too hard, <laughs> and that might carry it over into tomorrow. Um, and so that's where it can get a bit obs obsessive is when you just the momentum just starts going, and the hours turn into days, and the days turn into weeks, and you wake up a month or two later, and you're like, wow, look at how much ground I covered. But it's often in those moments, too, where I say, I don't think I've talked to my mom in several weeks. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've brought home flowers. I don't think I was really nice that morning. <laughs> so again, it's just having awareness. And I guess the second part, which is not talked about enough in relation to the hard work and kind of the glorifying, which I hope I'm not doing too much here, which is, you know, trying to glorify working too hard. But at the root of it, hopefully, is a deep knowing about what brings you meaning in life and what your purpose is. And to the extent that we're lucky enough to have arrived at something <laughs> that resembles that, and we get to work on something that is in, in harmony with that, then, you know, take a bath in it. Why not? <laughs> I love that. I, I love the way I, I love that you describe it as a get to, because there's certainly a version of working really hard that's not get to. It's obligatory. It's not this experience of touching your soul and like squeezing every ounce of juice you have and every cell to offer value to the world. It's 
it's just putting in it's a lot of hours. It's killing <laughs> you, right? It's, yeah. it's, and, and I like that you are, because, because we're speaking about a very specific type of working hard, which is working hard in alignment, what we think is our purpose, what we can at least interpret as our purpose. One of the things that you said early on when you, when you were responding was like, is, do you have a smile on your face? I heard someone, I don't remember who it was. It was in the, within the last couple of months. Someone asked, it, it was one of those interviews in New York where someone's like dressed super fly and they go up to them and like, what do you do for a living? And they know they're a celebrity and the, you know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing. Right. And the person, it might've been like Mike Tyson. who was like, <laughs> all, I, all, all I am is a smiling heart. I was like, oh fuck, that's <laughs> what I want to do. I want to yeah. just be a smiling heart while right. doing something that looks hard, but I'm just being smiling heart energy while I'm doing it. I'm kind of hearing that in what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. And I, there's also so many different colors to this human experience that, and so many shades, so many versions, right? And so I'm sitting here, I'm speaking to you from a seat doing something that I love, working on something that I want to see in the world, that can feel really distant for folks that actually the thing that they want to spend most of their time doing is being with their family or supporting a loved one or things that don't look like at all like what I'm spending 80 to 90% of my time currently. And there's a smiling heart in that as well. And there's purpose and meaning in that as well. And there's hard work in that as well. If you're a homemaker, right? If you're taking care of a loved one, if you're spending your time in a nonprofit space or volunteering, like there's hopefully whatever it is that you're engaging with, you're engaging with it to an extent where you are growing and it is pushing back off of you. And that is the thing that's kind of giving you the smiling heart tendency about it, right? So, yep, yeah, um, yeah, that's really funny. If it was Mike Tyson, <laughs> that's that's if it was Mike Tyson, that's incredible. Uh, we we like we're hoping that it is. It's the better version of it. If it's, it's the Mike better Tyson. version. What? Uh, so one of the one of the things that I'm thinking about as as I hear you saying that. So if we've got if. I think that we, I don't really like when people are like, understand your why, because it sets people up to like make something up that they think is the thing because it sounds good and it like makes them appear like a good person and then they have permission to do it. I think that we all have the same why, which is to like have a smiling heart and get to spend time doing what we love with the people we love and have energy to do more of what we want to do. Like very Mm -hmm. simple, basic and also what seems to be beautiful about being a human is actually is is the the space where that smiling heart purpose energy meets ego because for some person to me ego is just differentiation so you yeah. are different and what you are building is in part an expression of your differentiation it's an expression of your ego, and there's certainly a way of doing it that does not produce smiling heart energy, and there's a way of doing it that does produce smiling heart energy. And what I love about yeah. what you're saying is like, there's no prescription. Someone is building open in physical and digital space with like perfect, beautiful aesthetics, while another person is doing it like building a family. If there's no prescription, but there is like this thing thing that sets your ego on fire and your soul on fire in the best way right now you're talking about one of my favorite words yeah i like ego as differentiation i also think of it as identity at its core right i think it's one of the most misunderstood terms when we're talking about ego it's really identity and again you hear this duality play out where there's this tension well, aren't we just one organism, a part of a broader organism? And, you know, we should suppress our ego at all costs and just be in harmony and la, 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 la. Let's hold hands and, and you know, dance around like a Matisse painting. And then it's like, wait, but what, what if I want to, what if I want to grow? What if I want to actually get to know 
my differentiation, as you put it? And what if I want to cultivate the artist within that? What if I want to cultivate something in me? What if I want to realize this potential? That's going to take a little bit of ego. That's going to take a bit of knowing what that identity is, what that genetic makeup is, what that nurture has been. That's going to take a lot of knowing. And so I think the pressure release valve there is actually not to suppress the ego entirely so that you're so disillusioned that that is the thing that the world needs, but actually to develop a healthy relationship with it, right? And again, have an awareness of when you are really leaning into your ego and saying, hey, this is me. I'm here. (laughs) I know this. I have confidence. I have an instinct about this. And I'm going to push this forward because I know my family needs this. My friends need this. The world needs this, whatever it is. Like, I know that I know it's me who's got to be the one who speaks up here or takes action. And without that, we wouldn't have any of this. You know, if we wouldn't have any of this, I wouldn't be sitting on the 12th floor of a building talking to you with perfect Wi-Fi if if there wasn't a little bit of ego swarming around. So if we're picturing a person who's saying, this is me, this is my identity, I feel confident about this, I know this, this is the choice I'm making. We ha- Let's say we have two people saying that exact same thing. One person <laughs> we can describe as having a healthy relationship with their ego. Another person we might describe as not having a healthy relationship with their ego. What are the, what do you think are the distinctions there? Like, you know what I'm getting at? I think so. Yeah. I think that's where, when the ego, when you lean in too far, I think it leads to disconnection basically with that kind of more harmonious picture that I painted for you. I think it leads to a self-absorption and a selfishness that when it persists for too long, um, one can become so calloused that they're disconnected from the impact they're having, positive or negative. And I think, yeah, at the at the highest spectrum of this, I think you get sociopaths <laughs> to mm-hmm. just pick a term. I think that's what happens is you just you become calloused and it eventually does all become about oneself and in service of one's identity and often at the detriment or at the cost of others. So I think that's where it goes too far. And how do you think, like, how would a person know? If they're in, if they're expressing a version of ego that we would identify as healthy, and how would a person know if they're expressing a version of ego that we would identify as unhealthy? If you pay attention to the content that I put out, the podcast, the newsletter, what I create on Instagram, the way that I engage with people in the comments, you may conclude that I love giving stuff away for free. And if you make that conclusion, you're correct. I love creating free content. And if I could, I would give you everything that you need for free in order for you to become exactly who you want to be. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to work that way. You becoming the person that you want to be is a result of a relationship over time. And that's how I'm able to really help people or at least accelerate the process is through relationship over time, through intimacy and getting close to one another. Now, to do that, I have three options. There's the online community that I run. I run small groups and I do one-on-one with people. So if you like the stuff that I share, if it resonates, if you can feel it in your soul and you still have questions and you want more, those are the options for us cultivating a deeper relationship over time so that you can take your practice uh, to the next level. So Links for those options are available in the show notes. If you're interested, click the link that resonates with you most, express your interest. I would love to have you come deeper into my ecosphere. That I'm going to probably not answer directly and maybe follow up with you (laughs) while I opine on that 
pretty deep question, actually. But I would say that you can develop great ego awareness with these practices, meditation, breath work, anytime you can get your nervous system and your kind of biological system into more balance and closer to equilibrium, then you do start to see more clearly. And that that leads to more ego awareness, right? When you get to sit more in that seat of observation, the longer yes. you stay there, then you you start to notice the patterns more. I, I like that a lot. It's like the longer you practice being in the space of observation, the more information you get to see. And yeah. there's certainly a version of having more information that's like, oh my God, fucking God, this is so compl complicated and chaotic. But then there's like, like thinking about like the, a solar system being trillions of pieces of information that's organized without anyone having to do any work to organize it. There's like a, an experience of being in the place of the witnesser where you're like, oh, fuck, I'm seeing all of this information here. And some, some, um, also some of the information that's here is that this information seems to want to just organize itself on its own. And I can just watch that happen. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll share a personal practice. A personal practice for me is in real life, visualization and observation, and then close my eyes, visualization. And it's really simple. Anytime I just want to take a break from my ego <laughs> and uh, being too grossly into myself and my needs, all I have to do is climb something. And it doesn't need to be that high. Just enough where you have some heightened perspective. And you can see far out and you just see over a horizon, hopefully uh, over to your right of uh, the ocean. Maybe you see downtown Los Angeles on the left-hand side and some hills out in the distance. And um, that visual perspective, aside from kind of what we know about what it hits on your pineal gland and whatnot, but it really does remind you of your scale. <laughs> and like you said, all of the things that are happening um, without you doing a damn thing. And so I, I find as a personal practice that just visual perspective is always really humbling. And then the closed eyed version of that is just imagining I'm in space, looking back down on earth, that kind of Carl Sagan moment, the NASA moment that people talk about that I hope to get to see with my own eyes, but uh, you can close your eyes and imagine how small we are <laughs> in the scheme and, of and things. So what what I think I'm hearing in that is like you're you're looking to, if you get too caught up in the bullshit, you notice it and you want to put yourself in a position where you can be reminded of how wonderful this is, be in a state of awe, be in a state of un wonder while also acknowledging the scales at which things exist. And you know how people will do the thing where it's like, tell me about your problems. And then like TikTok video of zooming out to the whole universe. And it's like, your shit doesn't fucking matter. Like, what do you think about that? Like, yes, we are an atom on an atom <laughs> and we're also not. So like, does the scale mean that our problems don't matter? Like, what, what's your take on that? Yeah. I think it's both again. Like I love the I love that we keep revisiting these uh, themes of polars in this conversation because I really do think again embracing that reality that black implies white, life implies death. Shout out Alan, Alan Watts. <laughs> embracing that you can hold these two things and it can be true. In fact, not it can be true. You need both of these things in order for there to be truth in both of these. Mm -hmm. existing that is actually the pressure re release valve of life right and so when you're sitting in these moments and you're feeling like oh man like i feel guilty for being bummed about my tiny human existence like no that's okay that's that is your that is your capacity <laughs> and that is to d be dealt with and then separately the world's problems and <laughs> everything that feels macro that too can be can be set with so uh no it's both it's absolutely both i think again increasing your awareness 
having a steady mind, having steady eye allows you to have more perspective Mm -hmm. and balance to maybe not be so upset about things that are actually trivial. I scratched my, I scratched my new shoes the other day. Which shoes? <laughs> They're black on black on black Doc Martens, if you oh, must know. They've got a little height to them. scratch those. Yeah. yeah They've got so, a little extra oomph. A little oomph. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, and I was really feeling bad for myself, but I think that's an example of who cares. If I'm having a, a tough time with a friend that I've, I've been friends with for several years and I just don't see it anymore, I'm feeling bummed about that. That's a human thing. That's to be sat with. That, that's an emotion to, to sit with until it's released and then practice a healthy distance from it. So no, I think it's both. It's definitely both. Yeah. The thing, one of the things that's standing out about this is your capacity to hold the, hold two things that, hold two things at once in your awareness and recognize that there's there's a truth to each of those things but those truths don't necessarily need to compete they can coexist and it may not make sense logically to be like two truths two objective truths exist at once which means there's no such thing as objective truth but those things are objectively true for each thing like it's Really, if you try to be there logically, it's not very (laughs) enjoyable. It's not enjoyable. And it's like, it's the the only way that I've found to, to be able to do that is to be like, what do I want to feel in my body when I consider this idea? And who am I? when I'm allowing for this thing to exist in a particular way without needing to, to control it or to be a particular way? And do I like that version of myself? And if I do like that version of myself, then I'm going to like con- continue to practice seeing things like that. But I don't, I don't get myself into a space where I'm like, well, that's true. That's the truth of reality. I don't know what the truth of reality yeah. is. I just know that I like myself better when I'm practicing seeing it like that. Totally. Yeah, I kind of, I love, I think we've lost the art of saying, I don't know. I think the information age has hit us over the head with all the answers to everything and multiple answers to everything. <laughs> and uh, I'll. it's Funny, I was really young when I was reading a transliteration of a spiritual text, and there was this term that uh, I didn't understand at the time, and it was the word unfathomable. And I had to go, I remember I had to go to my dad and ask him, like, what does this mean? This, uh, and how do I pronounce it? And as soon as he explained it, I said, wow, oh, you're, okay, great. There's just things that I can't fathom. Awesome. <laughs> like, oh, done. Okay. So that's kind of how I feel about it. When, when there's these two things and I can't quite reconcile it, I don't need to sit in the dissonance of it. I can just say, huh. Okay. All like, right. Like have a fun experience with it. Yeah. Huh. Like literally, huh. Yeah, it kind of tracks back to kind of what we were talking about and just being so small and but then we have these egos and we have this determination and we have this way of being and knowing that there's so much possible too and i think in balancing that we try to yeah we just try to give words to everything we try to intellectualize everything we try to substantiate everything we try to put logic to everything but some things are just i i really like that a lot like like getting to live the rest of life with huh as a tool available (laughs) without like the pressure of control to know something or to be able to explain the relationship with something but just be like oh that's fucking crazy right like it's play too right yes Um, it's about play you can play with it you don't have to sit in the tension of it you can play with these ideas 
that are stumping you. And it reminds me of just a, a creative process in general. I've been really been thinking a lot more about sitting back and observing my own creative process and giving it words because there's definitely a rhythm there but I haven't quite written it down. And then I started reading about others and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, those are, that's good scaffolding. What's interesting about the creative process is there are these uh moments or, the, you know, there's these questions about, what, you know, how do you get things started and when is it done <laughs> and how often should you be engaging with it? Because it feels so abstract, there's, there's a temptation to like put it down, sit it down and make it a practice. But, you know, often I've, I've found with my personal practice, it's the, huh, I could be done right now. Mm. I can come back to this. Mm. You know, I can come back. Huh? I don't know. And I just let my subconscious play with it. And then <laughs> a day or two later, or maybe later that day, the hunt huh turns into, oh, you know what? I think I have an idea here. I, ha- I think I have a way that I can reconcile this for myself. And it actually was stepping away from it that gave it that space and kind of relaxed your consciousness to be able to perceive it in that way. That thing that you're speaking about has come up a few times in in the episodes that I've done, which we might be on like 20 now. Um, Just a few times. Thank you. Thanks so much. Like that's what, um, that's what Salvador Dali used to do, or that's what like Einstein used to do that. And maybe you may or may not know that, but the exact thing that you're speaking about the way that Carl Jung described it, he, okay. So Carl Jung, (laughs) maybe you know this, like was a crazy ass dude and went to the depths of the human psyche, maybe even like transcended human psyche to tap into an awareness that I don't even, I don't even know. And he, the way that he speaks sounds like he's convinced that this is real. I'm not really all that interested in what's real and what's not. I just think it's amazing. But yeah. Carl Jung would describe it like there are grem, there are like underworld gremlins that work on problems and that all we have to do is direct our problems or our questions, direct good questions to the underground gremlins, and they work on the solutions for us. And then when the solution is ready, maybe like you're saying a day later, maybe years later, the solution appears in our awareness. And then we have to take aligned action to bring that solution into three-dimensional reality. That to me is my favorite thing ever. And whether or not the gremlins exist, I really like at least pretending the gremlins exist. Yeah, I love that. I love that. First of all, amazing articulation of that. Uh, I would not uh, have been able to recite that so eloquently. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's like your field of awareness, your attention, where you, you know, and that's where the practice comes in right you you take your laser beams of attention and you 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 practice putting it at something <laughs> and you do and you put it at it and you you know you put it at it for minutes or hours or whatever it is and then oftentimes it's when you're you're away from it that the gremlins are helping and helping it come to come to a reality but um but you know it's just interesting to, to go a layer or too deeper, I guess, with this, and hopefully your listeners are are still along for the ride here. But because this, this might be a deep cut, but you know, we're talking about creativity, we're talking about ego, we're talking about being a part of this. Like all of these things, were these are just like little vignettes of this conscious experience that we call life, and we're trying to sort out which parts of it we need to engage with or how, you know, how do I do this right? Or, you know, which parts of it are for me and trying to balancing being and doing is really what it all, I, th- I feel like that's kind of central theme to th- what we've been talking about. Should I just be, be being, should I be under a tree and just enjoying all of this and watching all of it? Or should I be engaging with it? Should I be trying to poke a hole in it and seeing if something comes out on the other end? Um, and hopefully a theme that we've also done a good job of sitting with this whole time is it's, it's yes, <laughs> it's both. And it's for you to figure out, you know, what's, what's in your logos, what's in your pathos, what's in your ethos. 
um, and how you want to live your life and how you want to engage with it. And, and it's all right, as long as you're not harming anyone else and you're leading with love in your heart. Shout out Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. But I would offer, though, that it is fascinating. You know, ultimately, we are this, this little speck of dust, but ultimately, someone, some people came along and, you know, they made electricity possible in a scaled way. Um, some people came along and, you know, man had wings and some people came along and, you know, all of a sudden we can travel from city to city. We had roads to travel on, you know, and uh, some people came up, came along and we interconnected knowledge and information in a, in a, at the speed of light. You know, this, you know, that took a lot of doing. Yeah, I guess I, I hope people are all just trying to find their way and not being too anxious along the process not stress that they haven't figured out the answers, but to rather just engage with it, to play with it. A really dear friend of mine uh, passed away recently. And so I'd love to quote him. And he said, remember, it's supposed to be fun. Um, And so that's kind of my ultimate reminder. What's funny about the, what's fun about the being or doing thing like as you're describing, do, am I supposed to am I, like? Am I supposed to be under a tree and just witness and be, or am I supposed to be doing and and building something and contributing to making electric electricity even more scalable? Okay, what I think I think this is actually a a problem with logic, which is that people think that being means just being under a tree but when you're under a tree you're doing something when you're <laughs> napping you're doing something you know yeah. what i'm saying it's yeah. like and i and i think people get <laughs> caught up in this trap of like what, yeah. what yeah. like this distinction between being and doing we're yeah. always doing something doing yeah. is is always happening i think right. the question is like is am I creating a marriage between being and doing that's producing the experience that I want? Am I enjoying this marriage of being and doing, or am I being and doing in a way that's not producing an experience I want? And just remember, it's supposed to be fun. And I like the perspective, like, personally, I don't know what it's supposed to be. I just know what I like. And if I yeah. like fun, then it gets to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super interested in in hearing and learning more about this. We've spoken about like kind of like the merging of ego and passion and purpose. So when I consider you and the business you're building, I see open and I see super fly aesthetics. I see you and they're black on black on black docs. You have like <laughs> perfect mustache to stubble ratio <laughs> and you're like super aware of and committed to spiritual concepts and practices and what's really fun and enjoyable to me is like probably when you and I were coming up when were you born 1987 November 10th okay 1987 November 10th I was born in 1990 there there wasn't like in the world of spirituality um in the world of like let's think things oriented towards eastern practices like i didn't see very many models or examples of someone or a business that was taking super fly aesthetics and merging them with spiritual concepts and packaging that together in a particular way and I think I became aware of open during the pandemic. And when I saw it, I'm like, fuck, they beat me to it. Like, it's really <laughs> good. It's really good. And yeah. I'm curious for you if that was like, if you were aware of that in the process and and, and your awareness of it now. And, and I'm just curious to learn more. Yeah, I appreciate that. And by the way, I I love those moments. I'm sure you've had them more than once where you come upon something and you're like, oof, that's it. Yes. 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 Like my you guys world, have created that. You have done it, and it's like cool. I will move on. Um, I got this is such a shout out. 
Bjorn corn. Have you had this? This like mm. nu- nutritional yeast popcorn? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Anyway, th- here's a free ad for them. But I mean, it's so good. The branding's amazing. The The product's amazing. And as soon as I saw it, I, I had this moment where I was like, oh, wow. Like, did I want to start a popcorn company at once? Because like, this is it. And simultaneously, uh, I kind of had this moment, but no, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad someone's doing it. So thanks for that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I was aware of it. I it's um, And it, maybe we unpack a little bit, but I grew up practicing Islam, no longer practicing. Um, my family still does. And I grew up really curious about that space, but also curious about other spaces that you know had a similar context and so grew up in that suburban neighborhood of Chicago and was going to other spiritual spaces at a pretty young age going to temples going to synagogues going to churches going to kind of more secular environments as well and what i kept observing was just a lot of really well meaning people that and maybe i even expand that well meaning communities and ideologies and belief systems and just really powerful spaces where you know like people are really spreading goodness there's like someone at the head of that room on a weekly basis imploring people to live the good life Mm -hmm. and giving them principles and values to live the good life and be good to others and lead with that you know their love in their heart and um, not explicitly mentioning mike tyson but probably thinking about him. (laughs) But I also noticed as I hopped around that every one of them had some antiquity, some sort of kind of like uh, some lack of modernity in almost like a, you know how your grandma or grandpa kind of say something and it's like, ooh, that wasn't good. It's like yes, mildly like racist. Or my like grandfather not, would know? refer to Asian people as Orientals. Like, yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> so I had that. I was experiencing that in pretty much every one of the spaces I'd go to in some way. They would say something that was either, um, you know, yeah, just some grandma, grandpa gaffes. And so I was just witnessing a, a lack of modernity to the conversation in some ways which kind of leads to some of those themes of kind of taste and aesthetic. And I think that's what all of that really is about. It's the art of like, ultimately the decisions we make at the company that come across as aesthetic are decisions that are born out of conveying consideration and uh, adherence to quality to ultimately earn your trust that this space that you're going to enter, be it digitally or physically, is a place that you can feel safe, where people here are passionate about putting on an experience that is crafted. And we're deeply aware that the journeys people are going on have the potential to be consciousness shifting, healing, rehabilitating, opening. And we take that very seriously. And so that's where the the byproduct is actually the aesthetic. <laughs> but yeah, so just kind of tracking back though to what I was mentioning and the practices that I'd seen play out where you know communities were gathering over and over again and engaging with the experience of life and having these texts that they had to go off of this wisdom that they shared a belief in. And ultimately, I think, you know, if you look at the themes of open and what we're trying to latch on to is to, you know, secularize that conversation so that it can feel like it can be for anyone. And our goal is for it to be accessible. Our goal is that people from any one of those churches that I mentioned would feel welcome. And someone who didn't feel welcome in any one of those would also feel welcome right? And to come into one of those spaces. And, uh, you know, if they ran into one of the founders that hopefully that they had a perfectly manicured mustache, (laughs) 
beard to mustache ratio while doing it. And hopefully he earns your trust in the process. So that's kind of of the background. Dude, something, something was different as you were describing that, like when you were speaking about opens, uh, opens, what's the word conveyance? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I think conveyance of consideration and the intention to build trust. Like when I'm seeing the brand, when I'm seeing the brand, when I see the, the aesthetics of seeing the quality, what's being communicated is consideration, which your intention there is to let me know that like my body is safe in this space. Like this has been considered. I was mesmerized listening to you speak about that just now. Like truly there's something different. And it's so cool to feel the resonance of you speaking about that because it's obviously true as fuck for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And there's a lot of people on the team that feel the same way. And so, um, yeah, thank you. I'm excited that it's resonating with people. You know, I, um, Sir Johnny Ive has this line that I should memorize by now because I, I reference it a lot, but the essence of it is something like people innately feel the care and the consideration that goes into something. There's an energetic quality there that is not woo. It's just, it's felt. And so if you put love into something, um, yeah, there's a lot of confidence that, and we've gotten some of the affirmation now that people are actually visiting the spaces, uh, that it'll be felt, but ultimately every single time it is felt individually and we hear the feedback. It puts a huge smile on my face. My hair even rises every now and then. We have a Slack channel called Why We Do This, Mm. where we post testimonials from people that are shared, you know, either directly or out in the public. And it's a great reminder of uh, how lucky we are at Open to kind of work on what we get to work on because if we're successful um at what we do then we spread that goodness <laughs> in in terms of building external environments the animal that is is uh in second place to human beings is a is a beaver uh yeah like building a dam more. you know like like so okay so you're building open Mm-hmm. Elon Musk has built Tesla and will build civilization on Mars potentially, right? Like, yeah. so the human capacity to influence an external vi- environment is what it is. The yeah, sec, yeah. the animal in second place is a beaver who builds a dam, right? Which is a dam is pretty beautiful and remarkable, <laughs> but like, you know, and, and what I, what I, what I, uh, like what I'm hearing in what you're saying is when we are building something external, when we're building a system, when we're building a yep. business, I mean, we're building an organism. It, it is an organism. And yep. in that organism, is a, it, it, we infuse it with a particular energy. And yep. we can either hold ours, we can be clear on the energy that we want to infuse this into this organism and this system and hold, hold ourselves accountable to actually doing it. Uh, or we can be totally unconscious of it and just want to make money and build and build and infuse it with maybe like chaos or fear or whatever it is, or, or maybe someone gets lucky and they build it with love, even though they didn't choose to build it with love. You know, you're saying that your intention is to build this thing with like love, care, consideration, and then you're designing these systems and building this organization with the intention to amplify love. And then you have your why we do this chat and you get this feedback. You're like, oh, fuck, it's actually working. We're actually building an external environment outside of ourselves that is successfully harnessing this particular energy. And because it's an external environment, it has more capacity to give more or to, I guess, to give more people this particular energy. It creates abundance. It creates abundance. And that's, that's that tension of, you know, I used to get these... I'll just say it, crass questions around, um, oh, you know, are you, it's a business, but it's meditation. Like, how do you reconcile that? I'm like, capitalism is physics as far as I'm concerned. I'm not trying to bend capitalism out here. (laughs) These are the rules of the game. And if we want to vend something within the system, um, then, you know, these are the, these are kind of the, (laughs) your playing cards. Um, you know, maybe in another life, I'll try 
to work on an advent of a different way that we exchange value and services. But that's not what we're trying to recreate. We're playing within the constraints of capitalism. And within the constraints of capitalism, the more we are successful at you know, creating something that people are willing to pay for and they're assigning value and saying, hey, this is meaningful for me. Thank you. There is a sincere value exchange here. Here is my paper money. Take it. Here's my digital numbers. Take it. Um, that the virtuous cycle in the system that we live in is that we get to do a lot more of that, the more compelling that value proposition is. And so uh, we don't have any qualms about that system here. We're, we're very embracing of that. And we're just playing within those constraints and trying to create as much value as possible. I love that. I listened to Grimes speak on the Lex Friedman podcast. You know, Grimes yeah. is the artist. Oh, um, yeah. Well, oh, wait, also, I just want to run you through some of the shout outs we've had so far. Oh, my God. Elon Musk, Mike Tyson, Beavers, <laughs> <laughs> Bjorn Korn, Grimes. Grimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <All> <laughs> Dude, really good references. Gratioed mustaches and docs, like really good references. Um, was it Grimes who had who's who was married to Elon Musk? Is that the right person? Yes, yeah. Okay, so kids. on the Lex Fridman podcast, she said something about like there, you know, we can certainly complain about the things that we don't like, or we can build something that is so exponentially better that it makes yeah. the old thing obsolete. And that's like the energy that I hear you speaking about here. One of the things that you've referred to is like the scaling of energy and the internet, which as far as I understand, happens as a result of trade, of trades and goods of goods and services. Like that's the thing yeah. that makes that happen, gives us the opportunity to build these things that are better, to take what we don't like and to make them better. I, I totally understand people's position of like capitalism makes people operate at a pace that's not sustainable and is not aligned with uh, a pre-modern pace of life. And maybe that pre-modern pace is more aligned with what our physiology and biology prefers, and it might create a more right. satisfying life. I agree with that. Yeah. Also, prior to capitalism, the likelihood that you are murdered by like having your skull crushed with a rock is like 20%. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and what you get to do in your life, like what you are doing, literally you yeah. is, is like using this thing to then build a life where you get to operate at a pre-modern pace and enjoy things right. and experience awe while having a super low likelihood that you're going to be murdered via rock. Yes. Yes. You know, people get confused on mission. And again, living in privilege here uh, in that I get to work on a purpose-oriented initiative or project like Open that's mission-oriented, purpose-oriented. Purpose um, but really, whatever you're endeavoring on, wh whether it's a company that you work for or what, whatever it is, th there's, you have to get really clear about what the mission of that thing is. And that's important to get clear on because it's really easy to be critical and try to you know, complain, essentially, <laughs> about multiple things and try to address multiple things um, and fail. That, that is that is totally an option for you. But when you have clarity of mission on what it is that you're endeavoring on, then you don't get distracted by things that <laughs> that aren't constructive or productive. Right. And so that's where I'm coming back to this thing where it's like, you know, we are not endeavoring to change the way that we <laughs> exchange value and services like that's not what we're <laughs> uh, setting out to do. Um, we think that our highest leverage on society is to put, to empower people to be alive, have the feeling of becoming alive, right? That's, that's our deep and nurtured purpose. And so everything we do is with that in mind. Everything else is a constraint, essentially, a design mm -hmm. constraint that we operate within. And so, yeah, trying to tackle all the world's issues or like trying to find a way that's more sustainable. And by the way, I don't think it's sustainable. I do want to, I do want to call that out. Like my, 
my adrenals or my nervous system get wrecked pretty much yep. like, uh, if not on a weekly basis, I'm not, again, I'm not, it is not sustainable. It. Yeah. It's not sustainable. What's going on here. <laughs> Absolutely not. And that's why, you know, the, my relationship with it for what it's worth is that I do these things to build resilience in myself to be able to handle it. Um, and, but ultimately not everyone needs to sign up for this much you know there are companies out there <laughs> that are way further along um where you know that offer great wages and um you know can provide a great provide a great living for people and provide meaningful value and service to the world and you can operate within that and there are sustainable versions of this so um but if you want to play um on the top of the game of of creating impact and if you're trying to create colonies beyond our atmosphere, or if you're trying to make energy free for everyone, or if you want, or if you think that it's absolutely absurd that in 2023, everyone on planet Earth does not have clean water, or if you think it's absurd that a, 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 a nation as rich as the United States, we have a problem with food deserts. Or that you walk into the average grocery store in the United States of America and it's nutritionally vapid. Like if you find that absurd and you want to make an impact on that, an outsized impact on that in your lifetime, then do not lie to yourself. <laughs> do not lie to yourself and think that you're going to do that without losing some hair. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, I love and, that. And that's okay because you can engage with it. If you do it with eyes wide open and that is something that you want to engage with, then you can smile while doing it. You can dance on your way to work. Um, and if that's not for you, that's okay too. Look up. There are thousands. I don't know what the actual number is, but there are millions of mini missions that are going on all over the world that are not as grandiose and that are not as ambitious. You know, the craft of the sandwich shop that I've been getting sandwiches from lately, as an example, I love, I haven't met any of them because I'm always getting a delivery because it's on the other side of town, but they're the most amazing sandwiches I've had in a very long time. And whoever works there, I love them so much for what it's worth. Yes. And they have a mission. I am tasting their mission loud and clear. And that is to make the best damn sandwiches I've had in Los Angeles since I moved here two years ago. Um, and that's honorable. And I respect the hell out of everyone who's over there. It's just understanding what, what mission you want to align yourself with. Right? Like every cell in my body is lighting up hearing you say this. I agree. I'm like agreeing more than it's possible to even agree. <laughs> and you're saying it like is so eloquently. Um, and what you're speaking to, to me, it, it goes back to what we're saying in this beautiful uh, marriage or this this merging between ego and passion. Like some people, their differentiation, their identity, like you refer to, like might be compelled to operate at the scale of clean water for everyone. Another people's identity might be compelled to operate at the scale at making the greatest sandwich that exists in Los Angeles. And it's like, like, like what you're saying is just like, find the thing that lights your identity and your soul on fire and then offer that thing you don't have to do that you're going to lose some hairs if you like want <laughs> to create something that beautiful right and also it might be a worthwhile endeavor to work on something like that absolutely fire absolutely fire any any yeah. last thoughts that feel fun to share before we wrap up yeah i guess maybe just to say huh I really enjoyed this conversation and it, it lit me up as well. And I really appreciate spaces like this where we can have open-ended conversation, um, you know, sit outside of the, you know, three seconds need to grab your attention, social media, and talk about things in nuanced ways. Times like these, they're reminders that nuance and longer conversations and you know, holding paradoxes and things that seem in opposition, um, holding truths in that. It's you know really never been more alive 
And so just appreciate the space and appreciate the the conversation that you have. And you're on your 20th episode. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you've got definitely got a gift in making people getting to talk about what they really want to talk about. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I've had so much fun. The most fun thing for me is like getting to feel the thing that's the thing that lights the person up and then just go in that direction. I appreciate you you acknowledging that and reflecting it back. Uh, and and this was this was amazing for me. Thank you so much for being on here. My favorite people in the world are people like Raid, people who have so many different interests, are competent and informed in so many different areas. And rather than investing energy into defining themselves as one of those things and hiding the other parts away, they instead allow themselves to be all of the things that they are. And then they create from that place. And the things that they create are really about like owning the truth of who they are and what they find interesting. And I I just love that that exists. I love, Ray, that you're an example of that. Thank you so much for building what you're building, for being on the podcast, shedding light into your process, your creative process. It was amazing. Thank you all for listening and for being here.